Today's Saturday, September 28th, 2019, and this week on the Shell Hotel Podcast. The Lions make turtle soup of our boys in red and black. With the recent play of Josh Jackson, should there be a change at quarterback? And with Rutgers up next on the schedule, it's do or die. Stay tuned. You're listening to the saddest podcast around. It's episode six of the Shell and Tell podcast. Fred and Ryan here, or not even 24 hours removed from a uh, pretty depressing loss. A dismantling. uh, To number 12, Penn State, 59 to nothing. Ryan, I don't know if maybe we are just a couple of homers. But how did nobody see this coming? 59 to nothing? People just aren't very good at predicting sports. Nobody saw us being Syracuse as bad as we did. Not many people outside of me predicted we'd lose to Temple. And nobody. I lost my perfect record of scores by a big margin. Yeah. Uh, nobody saw this 59 nothing loss coming to the Penn State. Except for maybe Penn State. One of the most lopsided losses, at least in the last decade, that I can remember for the Terps. it was. I think I saw today it was the largest shutout in the Big Ten history. It was oh, not the wow. largest, like you know, number of points differential defeat, but the largest shutout. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, you guys got your Zoloft ready uh, <laughs> or whatever depression medication you may need to get through this one because it's going to be a rough one, man. Um, yeah, I, look, I don't, I don't want to make this a stat stuffy show or anything like that. I, I kind of I wanted to call this show raw emotions in the sense that, like I said, we're 24 hours removed from this thing. We had, what, an hour and 20-minute drive home last night, and I don't think one of us talked about the game at all. No, there was, the entire there was ride. no discussion about the game because the game was over by the first quarter. Yeah. So there was a little bit of discussion with me and you second and third quarter about our feelings and what was going on, but... The fourth quarter, you know, it was one of the very first times that I actually considered leaving. Um, I was there, whistle to whistle. Fred started the the conversation of, maybe we should just get out of here. And I actually went to leave, and I'll give credit to my my drunk sister and my mother for going, no, we don't leave. We sit here and take our beatings. We're shambles, and we take our beatings. For 19 years, we've been sitting here, and for the last 13 of them, it's been kind of painful. I mean, it, you know, you talk about letting the air out of a balloon, you know how that's like a progressional type thing, right? They did not let the air out of the balloon. It was like a whoopee cushion. You know what I mean? You sit on a whoopee cushion, just it all comes out at one time. Ugh. Because everything going into this game, right, we, we got there early. I left work early. We went down there and we set up a nice tailgate. You had you and the family provided all kinds of food down there and all kinds of drinks. We made a terrapin punch that maybe I had a little too much of and I'm still recovering from now. We, we built a drinking vessel for this. We started a new family tradition that maybe needs to be burned and ended. Oh, we have a ceramic turtle that we do if anybody's been to ocean city mr duck style where you drink out of a duck we're drinking out of this ceramic turtle 
And I don't know. We will, we'll have to debate, have a family meeting, whether we end that tradition immediately. Yeah, anything that ends as badly <laughs> as that ended. If there was something new that you started, you might have to yeah, question. Yeah, I already told Fred he had new jerseys and shoes for that game, and we might be putting out a video of those burning next week. <laughs> I don't know what else you do, man, because <clears throat> there was so much excitement, so much hype going around this game. You know at the end of the day, I expected it to be a close game, and we talked about our scores and everything, and I thought the ship might get righted here that, you know, maybe they did overlook uh, the last game in, in, in Temple. And if we lost by 14 points or less, we wouldn't be sitting here having a summer no, story. No, no. Like, I mean, it would suck. It would we lost. Exactly. You lost to a legitimate top 10 team. Because, I mean, when you look at Penn Which. State. They Which, are a yeah, top we 10 didn't, team. We didn't believe, and I was the one on the last episode, I said that if you could tell me the 13th best, because that's what they were last time we recorded was number 13. They ended up being number 12 coming in since Michigan blew their game. Right. Um, but the number 13 definitive team coming, we had no chance. Well, I was wrong. They were, I mean, we'll see. The, other, the rest of the year will prove out. But from looking at it, they're definitively top 13 to me. Uh, and and well, looking at them physically, they weren't. Like, Syracuse, We our, our seats are four rows away from the visitor's bench. So we get a really good look at the visiting team. Right. And Syracuse looked prominent. They looked big. They, they looked, looked strong. like a much more fast. physical, dominating team. Yeah. Penn State looked average, and they yeah. kicked the living snot out of us. Yeah, you know, being that we sit on the visitor's side, you know, we obviously were surrounded by Penn State fans, and I got into a conversation with a couple that was sitting in front of me, and they were talking, like, legitimately, all we have to do is beat Penn State, and we're in the national championship top four. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah. Like, who else is on their schedule that really oh, you is mean Ohio good? State? They have to beat Ohio State? What did I say? Beat Penn, Penn State? State. Yes. They if they beat themselves, it's not a good Apparently, thing. I'm still drunk. Yeah, no, yeah. They got to beat Ohio State, and that's it. Yeah. Like, legitimately, I started thinking about it, like, and looking at the rest of their schedule. If they can manage to beat Ohio State in Ohio State, which is going to be a challenge for them. Yeah, obviously. I see them being a top four team at the end of the year. Yeah, and if you can make that close and take it to overtime, maybe we go from being snuffed out of the big – of the Final four to two Big Ten teams in the in the college playoff for the first time. At this point, <laughs> the way I feel after this game, if we can get into the Meineke Muffler Bowl, oh the Terps, yeah, yeah, obviously that's it. Like, and but uh, you know that was my goal all along was a, a bowl game. Yeah. Now, of course, after winning the first two games, got a little hot headed and started thinking, you know, wow, we could be in competition for the third or fourth best team in the Big Ten. <laughs> Well, yeah. no, we'll be lucky if we're the third worst team in the Big Ten, and we might find out next week versus Rutgers which one of those we are. Well, we can't put any of this loss, or you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out a little bit because I know last week you were kind of questioning the fan support and whether the students were going to show up and whether the stadium. There was fifty three thousand people there last night, and yes, there was a sea of white there on our side, but that was to be expected. It's Penn State; they're right up the street. I've, I've seen much worse on visiting numbers. Yeah, there was there was a a legitimate contingent of Maryland fans there. The students showed up pretty early. It was. 85% full at kickoff and 100% full five minutes into the first quarter when we're already down 14 points. Yep. Um, but then halftime? Yeah, halftime, they all went to find better things. But, you know, I can't even... Can't blame them. I can't even blame them on this one. Nope. I'm usually, what else do you have better to do? But in that loss, 
the way we were losing and the writing on the wall and just the letdown like you talked about go go do what you gotta do like yeah. it, it, if i hadn't been you know if there weren't 19 years of this in a row of me like taking pride and being there till the end i would have bailed but this is where this loss hurts this university in so many ways, right? You're on a national stage. We talked about playing more Friday night games and primetime games. Well, you got to execute when you have the opportunities and you got to prove why you deserve that. And here we are in our first Friday night game in how long? Against uh, who knows forever. Yeah, against a perennial, you know, powerhouse in Penn State and we get slaughtered in our own stadium. Yep. And, you know, now to expect fans to come out every week and, you know, we want to ride fans for not supporting the team. But these are the reasons why. Yeah. Right? I mean, there was at least 60% Maryland fans, at least. I mean, the oh, I upper, was more than that. The, the up, I, I would say uh, it was 75% Maryland fans. Probably. There. I mean, so the whole Terrapin Club section, there was maybe 5%, <laughs> like the whole the home team bench, if you guys don't know, it's all Terrapin Club members seating there. That was all 90, 95% Terp fans course 100 percent all the way through the student section and then it got like 40 percent in our lower bowl section on the penn state sideline the upper deck looked like a sea of white yeah it, what i could see from it now of course like from our our seats i can only see the um horseshoe end of the bowl's upper deck because of just the angles but it looked all white so we got a the lower price tickets were going to penn state quick and in a hurry yeah all right man so i, I know Unfortunately, we got to talk about this game <laughs> and what went right and what went wrong. What, so, what went just right? Spend a little bit of time before the game. Let's talk about how great our tailgate was. Oh man, it was Let's awesome. Get a little bit of positive before we get into this. It was awesome, and I, to you know, you guys don't typically tailgate. No, because it's noon games. I'm not waking up at six a.m. I love tailgating whenever Tail it's possible. Tailgating for me is like part of the experience. You know, for me, I'm a season ticket holder for the Ravens, and that's half the fun is getting there for me, getting there at eight o'clock in the morning. We go through two phases. We cook breakfast, we cook lunch, you know, even for a one o'clock game, we do all of this prior to the game, and then usually we're packing up 11 30 12 o'clock to head into the game i love tailgating but i can't tailgate I'd, i tailgate for 3 30 games seven o'clock games but i can't tailgate for these noons it's just too early for me <laughs> but you know i know a lot of people do and a lot of people enjoy it and congratulations and i am proud of you guys and glad you support the university like that but i just can't but we went all out here good. and we felt good about it and we had the card or the black suburban draped and all this terps gear and we had loud music playing, and then we started trolling Penn State fans. Yeah. We were playing Lion Sleeps Tonight with Phil Collins because <laughs> we were trying to troll the troll the Penn State fans. We were playing What's New Pussycat. Um, I can't even wow, I can't even go with the artist right now. <laughs> All that old school 1950s songs and just right. singing out our top of our lungs, feeling good about it. I did, man. I, I had so much fun. We're out there playing cornhole and drinking the, the turtle punch that we made and. Uh, we had all had, kinds had of some fans drop by and we say did. hi. We did. So appreciate everybody that stopped by and said hi. Um, but, you know, one thing that, uh, not to put a damper on it, but one thing I do want to bring up that I know you brought attention to, walking into the stadium, we noticed that uh, a couple oh, of the yeah. practice fields had a whole lot of white. Thank you. I forgot I was going to trash University of Maryland for this. Our school is so money hungry that they took the most primetime tailgate location and they rented it to Penn State alumni for a tailgate. The practice field immediately outside of the stadium, all white tents, all white shirts. All how much money you need, really? 
That's right. the Terrapin ground. Last year against Ohio State, it was awesome. That field was covered with University of Maryland fraternities and sororities, and it was jam packed, and it was a good time. I mean, we didn't go down there, but we watched, looked at, it, and we were proud. We were the creepers on the outside. We were proud <laughs> that, that that these that these kids were showing up and they were supporting, they were having a good time and treating it like like we're a real program. Well, uh, today, last night, we had so much fun at our tailgate, and we're coming up the hill. And I could not have been more depressed to walk up on that yeah. and see that. How much money could they have paid you? There better been a lot of zeros behind that yeah. one. It, it, it's, I mean, I know you need money to run a program, but that's that's just not a good look. Why no. give them the? They should have to go rent a mall parking lot off campus in order to throw their alumni uh, tailgate. They should not be prime time spot right next to the stadium. All right, please stop. Please yeah. stop, Maryland. Uh, Pretend would- like you respect yourself, so others will respect you didn't make sense to me at all i mean there's so many other ways that you could have like maybe rented out something to penn state fans that was a little more off the beaten path or something that you know wasn't the the primary like area you know yeah uh it made no sense to me oh it would, yeah thanks for bringing that up i <laughs> i i you know in the one percent chance that damon evans hears this here's another you listen last week and i trash you why are you doing this stop it like, the game was embarrassing enough. You don't have to give me more stuff to be sad about. Yeah. And then we obviously, we got to see the fridge. The fridge came back, and uh, it was uh, I rained mean, on a little bit. And yeah, I mean, it, it was bit. great, and, and everyone gave him a standing ovation. And let me tell you the one thing. Like, yeah, I dislike the Penn State program as a whole, um, and I hate the, you know, the spotty history of it and all and i can get it all joe pa new and all that fun stuff but i have seen some classless terrible fans in my life and penn state was not yesterday super classy there was not a problem near now i won't say there's not a problem near us there was a problem with student age penn state fans that we can get into if you want but 95 percent of the fans were super classy and respectful and held good conversation didn't get all ridiculous yeah but um, the one problem, since I alluded to it, so at the very end, as everyone's pretty much given up and only the diehard students are left in the student section and um, everyone knows the writing's on the wall, the a large conglomerate, probably 100 uh, Penn State student age, mm-hmm. maybe high school senior recruits, I don't know, something around there, all went down in all white into the Maryland student section and started being rowdy and jumping up and down and had to be escorted out by police. And when they're escorted out of that section by police, our section is the next aisle over. So they immediately come down to our section, literally right next to me, and start making problems. But, you know, I've been 18 before. I yeah, feel cool around my friends. Say, we've all been so there. I, I can't. I can't hold it to him, but I won't. I can't give him a full pass and say there was no issues at all. But for that to be the only issue, that really was... Um, I, I I can name 40 other schools I have bigger problems with the fans that have been in that stadium. All right, so like I said, let's talk a little bit about this game. Um, and for me, the problems start with the quarterback position. Starts with Josh Jackson. Uh, you know, we gave him a lot of hype going into the first two weeks. The first two weeks, obviously, he put up ridiculous numbers. I think he had like seven touchdowns and one pick in the first two games of the year and granted it was against Howard and it was and, against Syracuse yeah. and that pick like we said was only half his fault right now there's a lot of 100% his fault picks but these last two weeks I mean he's legitimately looked like a shell of himself he's 15 of 59 
one touchdown and three interceptions in his last two games. And in this game, particularly, only threw for 65 yards, and he had the two interceptions. And the two interceptions were so ugly. Like, yeah. I mean, blatantly into the lap of the person. They didn't even have to try. And 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 not even, like, a disguise coverage. They're just, like, I, we're, we're sitting there, and I'm seeing from the sidelines as he lets the ball go that he's throwing it directly into a linebacker. Right. I don't... I don't know how from my sideline vantage point, we were literally screaming before the ball was caught by the linebacker. We're like, oh, no, right. why would you throw that? And sure enough, we weren't lucky enough for him to have stone hands. Yeah. And granted, Penn State got it, got some lucky moves with, with us having stone hands, but we'll get into that later, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, we. <clears throat> so I know for me, it didn't take long for me to start feeling like, all right, I want to see a change. And I want to see Piggy come out. Um, and we did. We saw him for, what, I think two drives in this game, and we went uh, three and out Pretty much. on both drives. But we didn't so, throw an interception, so it might still be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my question with this pertains to where does the problem lie? Does the problem lie on talent, or do you think the problem lies with Scotty Montgomery and Mike Loxley's offense? Oh, see, Temple, I would have said it was there's a lot going on with Scotty Montgomery and Mike Loxley, but I did not see much or any of that with Penn State other than the fact that they were completely selling out and nearly all out zero coverage like Howard the, the first week, sending everybody and their brother, and we did nothing to win against that. But I think that that was arm talent because every time that we decided to throw over top of the six guys coming, he found the two people left in, in coverage and threw the ball to him. Yeah. I, I don't know what to, what to do about it. Well, obviously, a big issue with that is the offensive line and the issues that we've had and the injuries that we've had on the offensive line. I mean, we're down in some positions to our third guy, uh, especially a guard. And we were talking about it last night. Where in the hell is Brandon Gaddy at? Yeah, I don't I don't know why you take a four-star defensive lineman and move him to the offensive side of the ball if he was going to be your third string on one guard position. Right. Like, I, Is he that bad? Because if, if he is, why, why not just keep him on the defensive line? If he's not going to play on the offensive line. I mean, like, he's, he's honestly, I to at this point. We had, we had two more injuries last night. I, now, of course, they haven't been announced how long they'll be but Brandon Gaddy is going to have to play on the offensive line we'll be down to Fontaine and Gaddy and who knows Marcus Finger might have to burn his red shirt and come or red shirt <laughs> might have to burn his red shirt and come on into the game yeah I don't know man it's it's just I know it's a, con a conglomerate of issues um you know you had talked about I guess in previous weeks them not re or them relying maybe too much on Anthony McFarland and not spreading the ball out to some of the other backs. But, I mean, in this game... I didn't game, really see that problem today, but I also think there might have been a little of the game was over and they and they guarded Anthony McFarland from injury. So I'll have to hold that judgment until we're in an actual competitive game to see if we get back to what I want to see about spreading the ball around. Yeah, but, I mean, even when they were trying to get the backs involved, whether it was handing the ball off directly or dumping the ball off to the, you know, to the backs out of the backfield, they weren't getting anything. They weren't getting anywhere. I mean, McFarland had nine carries for 24 yards, Fleet Davis five carries for 12 yards, and Leak six carries for 10 yards. I mean, that's poo-poo as far as average yeah. goes. I mean, these guys just could not get going. Yep. There was, there was, I mean, there was not a lot of good to say across the board. Well, 
on the other side of the field defensively uh, I mean when you lose 59 to nothing obviously you've got some serious issues and I think the two guys that we pointed out on our last show uh, the two sophomores for Penn State well they caused a whole hell of a lot of issues in this game and it started with sophomore quarterback Sean Clifford dude was 26 to 31 for 398 yards three touchdowns on top of seven carries for 54 yards and another touchdown. Yeah, I will say there seemed to be almost no one assigned as there was no QB spy going on. There was no coverage. That first touchdown, he literally walked in. No one even seemed to see him before he crossed the goal line. Right. Um, that was kind of embarrassing when it was very obvious that they needed to be aware of where he is and his leg talent. Um, I mean, they scored touchdowns on their first five drives of the game. So I will say that that in itself is a little misleading because there were some ridiculous Alvin Kamara-like balance by some of these Penn State players that got completely wrecked <laughs> by a monster hit by a Maryland defender who just didn't wrap up. But I mean, 98, 99% of the time you hit somebody like that, they're going to the ground with you. And we hit those one and two percenters that they bounce and turn that four yard loss or that the one was a third and 12 and he got hit about eight yards down. So it would have been a punt situation. Instead, he scores an 80 yard touchdown. Like it's there were there were definitely moments in that game that could have gone differently. Um, Another defensive moment that could have gone a lot differently and swung it a 14 point swing was the wide open pick six that um uh number uh 25 uh Antoine Brooks, Antoine Brooks. yeah I'm sorry <laughs> Antoine Brooks jumped up had both hands on the ball nobody in front of him on the opponent's five yard line and rock hands dropped to the turf yeah I mean it for for me just talking about Clifford um I mean he, he exposed again the secondary in this game he showed how ill-prepared we were defensively because I mean if if we're a bunch of amateur podcasters and we can just look at we don't watch Penn State on the regular you know we watch some highlights and I watched a little bit of the uh, Buffalo game just because they were losing uh, at one point in that game yeah I always just try to look basically a couple weeks ahead of what our schedule is and if I have you know if the TV happens to be on when they're playing I'll watch you know any team we're playing in the next three weeks, I'll watch the game. But right. I'm not out here scouting every team, no. breaking everything down but hours my, at a time. My point is, if we can sit there and watch the little bit of footage that we get to watch and, and do the little bit of reading up on these teams that we do, and we can see that, hey, this guy's a mobile quarterback that can beat you both ways, wouldn't you think that they'd be a little bit more prepared for a mobile quarterback? Because this guy was just running all day long on us. All day long. All day long. And, I mean, extending drives. And <clears throat> another issue that I thought – was big in this game that we haven't really touched on yet was penalties a discipline thing I mean we had a ridiculous amount of penalty I want to say we had like eight or nine penalties in the first half alone and that at that point I just stopped keeping count I'm there was there was definitely a lot of penalties um there were some interesting uh calls for false starts that I think were offsides a few different things but you know you get ticky tack um there weren't really big pass interference calls. The one big pass interference call ended up the guy called it anyway, and it was one of those plays where you got beat for 60 yards, so you're supposed to pass interfere at that point. Right. Just the right move. Um, so I, 
it's hard to say completely undisciplined. And by the time you are down 21 points, you're not really going to play discipline. You need big points. So, again, I got to I gotta see. But Yeah. I don't know. It's just, <clears throat> for me, it's one of those things where I felt like we could have done a lot of other things. We could have given a lot of other, uh, I guess, a lot of the other guys opportunities in this game to kind of shine and to see what potential we have. Because, I mean, at halftime, this game was over. We were losing 38 to nothing, right? So at that point, why not take some chances with some guys and take and maybe take some different approaches to kind of see. Now, one guy that we saw in this game that we're hoping will be a Terp for his entire career that uh, got a little bit more playing time in this game and I think solidified his presence in this defensive secondary was Nick Cross, the freshman safety. This kid looked good. Nick Cross uh, does not seem to be all hype. It seems to be real. He's got talent. He looks like he should be talented. That does not look like a freshman out there. He looks like a grown man. Yeah. Um, he was one of the two bright spots. Antoine Brooks, as bad as our defense played, there was it was the most impressive game I've seen from him. There was hustle plays all over the place, and Nick Cross as well. Nick Cross's interception had shades of Ed Reed written all over it. That was one of those interceptions where I was hyped about the pick just from the launch angle of the quarterback. Just right. that there was too much air under that ball. And anytime there's a lot of air under the ball, it's as much the defender's ball as it is the offensive side. And exactly. he and he had an Ed Reed-esque interception, tiptoed on the sideline. I watched the the um replay. He got he got helped a little bit. His thigh hit the wide yeah. receiver's high to keep thigh to keep that toe inbounds. Right. But either way, that was an impressive athletic move. For sure. And I sure hope we will see him for a long time. That's what you know, it's like you said, once you get down twenty one points, that was where I when it was 21 nothing, I started going, all right, writing's on the wall. This is not. 14 didn't really do it to me. I'm like, I got to see. You know, you can still get back, no problem. It could just be a slow start. 21 points, I just started kind of grasping for. Can I see the future, this, that, and the other? And the Nick Cross and Antoine Brooks were the two bright spots that I saw. There is talent on this team. And with Nick Cross being young and being one of the first big recruits by Mike Loxley, there's still a little hope, that glimmer of hope in my soul, uh, which got a little bit brighter as I saw the tweet from um, Ruben Hippolyte afterwards, turtle for life till death, because that is, again, when you have one of these embarrassing losses like that, you start hoping that the future doesn't fall apart because of the present. Yeah, but you bring up Ruben, right? So, And I'm, and I'm right there with you. Like, it's, it's great to see the support, and it's great to see all the messages on Twitter, but we also saw that from... Dwayne Haskins when Dwayne Haskins was a Terp for life and UMD or DMV to UMD and all that stuff that he was doing on Twitter. And then all of a sudden there was a change. And for me, I got a question. Well, if he's so committed, then why is he taking these other campus visits? Yeah. I mean, that's the only question mark that, and I'm not trying to say he's not committed. I'm just curious. Yeah. I think that Ruben is very committed. I would never put the Dwayne Haskins label on anybody because I think maybe a few of you listeners know how I feel about that shell of a man (laughs) down there pouty faced on the Redskins sideline because he can't get playing time. Right. Um, Ruben Hippolyte seems like a real man, a man of his word, a grown ass person. And I believe he will be here next fall. Well, so this this kind of is another part to my earlier point of the stage that we had in front of us last night, right? So beyond just getting shellacked, um, 
you know, you're on the national stage. There were a lot of recruits in the house. There were a lot of alumni, former players in the house, right? And there's a perfect opportunity to kind of separate yourself because obviously these are two schools that are close in, in, in proximity to each other that go after a lot of the same recruits, right? And if you're trying to one-up that that team, especially especially in the situation that the University of Maryland's in right now, right? They're trying to recover. They're trying to – Penn State's – I mean, yes, they've obviously got their own <laughs> situation and black eye that they're still trying to recover from too, right? But they've done a pretty good job at doing that, um, and I give James Franklin a lot of credit for. But to get shelled like this, man, it, it I think it could potentially put a hamper and a damper on those types of things because – especially with as easy as it is for players to move around now and how much more we're seeing this like transfer portal open up and all that stuff. I'm not saying that that a Nick Cross or whatever would go into the transfer portal, but if a team like Florida State comes calling, you know, which obviously was his home school, uh, or if another big powerhouse comes calling, I don't know, I get I get clamored up because I don't want to see these guys leave. But I worry about that. Yeah, I mean, Nick Cross, our, his home school is Maryland, but the original commitment was to Florida State. Oh, yeah, that's what it say. was. Yeah, right. Um, I think that it's going to hamper you with some players. Now, the reason I am so confident in Ruben is because of some of Ruben's reasoning that he put out, that he said that he wants to be the greatest linebacker in Maryland history. That was his goal. Right. Um, there are places where you can go and guarantee yourself a shot at a playoff berth, the Clemsons, the probably Ohio State is still on that, the Alabamas. In your four years, you're most likely going to go to a playoff. But in those places, unless you're the star of all stars, you're just a cog in the wheel that is part of the machine that just got back there again. Right. And it's an expectation. And you can't get legend status when you're just a cog in the wheel. Right. And I feel like, what motivates Ruben is that legend status that he wants to be talked about that way. And he could be talked about that way here at Maryland. He could legitimately with his ability and with his work ethic and with the way he handles himself and appears to be able to even be a public persona. He could be a legend at Maryland and where he goes to one of these other powerhouses. He's just another guy, another great player. They brought in again and he's replaceable the next year. Gotcha. And here he is. Well, he could be, if he lives up to the hype, a legend as Nick cross could be right. Nick cross from that being his first real playing time last night, his hype could also get him legendary Maryland status where you're talked about for years, like literally I won't do that. I won't go hyperbole and say Len Bias status, which is where my head was going. (laughs) But I will go a Vernon Davis status that anyone that has spent any time at Maryland as a common fan, that's who your bar is for tight end. But you, but that's that's who you go to forever in football on a football program. It's not one or two guys that are going to bring you back, right? It's not it's not a Ruben Hippolyte and it's not a Nick Cross. They're going to be enough to get you over the hump. And that's where I feel like we missed an opportunity in this game. Besides True. just oh, we losing the game, we missed I, a huge opportunity. I fully agree with we missed an opportunity. And you're going to lose a couple people that were maybe thinking about flips or things of that nature. But, again, we had a short recruiting status or a 
re- short recruiting period last year with Loxley, and he pulled a Nick Cross that was, again, we recruited against everyone in the nation because it was after signing day. So literally anyone that had an open scholarship could have called this top 100 player and brought them in, and Loxley brought him in. So I'm not going to rule out yet that we can't do that at a greater scale. So, so it, was, it was two people last year, right? It was Lejeand and Nick Cross that really are like, we're like, oh my God, that's what we did this year. Well, that was on the short recruiting cycle. Say we get six of those this year, right? And six of them the next year. Then you're talking about a, a real, like a real fall, or, or eight next year. You're like a waterfall. I, you can't write off a guy like Loxley. Oh, I'm not writing him off by any means. And we all know that it takes time. It takes time. And Loxley's known for his ability to recruit, right? And he's just kind of getting his feet planted back in this university. And again, he's got all these hurdles of things to come over and, and he's done a great job in that. But at the end of the day, when you look at what the naysayers out there say about Loxley as a coach, as a coach, forget the recruiting side of it, right? When you just look at his record as a coach, and I know that New Mexico was a long long time ago and it was prior to him having the tutelage under some of the greatest that have ever coached. So yeah. you and know, the first Maryland record wasn't really his team. It was just him pulling the strings at the very end of a season. Right. So it's really unfair to go with that. He is 500 right now. That's better than our last two coaches. <laughs> so let's, I mean, I'm not going to pump the brakes on that one. We're going to see where it's, it's, we're playing Rutgers next week. It's a whole different story if we lose to Rutgers now. Like I said, that's going to be, you know, the battle for worst place in the Big Ten. And if you lose to Rutgers, it's a, it's really is a panic button moment. Um, well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, right? Let's, so let's talk about a little bit about going into Rutgers. So <clears throat> this is obviously a team on paper that we should be able to beat pretty handedly. We don't need to go into the I'm individuals. I'm not going to go with that anymore because I don't know who, what we've done. We should. We I'm should. saying we should, right? But the biggest question you mark. You have to. If, we're, if we have any credibility, you have to beat Rutgers. The biggest question mark right now is the quarterback position. Do you think it's worth making a change at this point at starter and giving a piggy giving piggy a shot just based on the last couple games that Jackson's performed. I mean, I'm okay with pretty much anything in the quarterback position. I we thought we found something special in Jackson. I don't think we can pretend that's true anymore. I think that if anything he's a slightly above average quarterback and I think that you have other slightly above average quarterback options or at least people with more years of eligibility and more potential you got you know Tyler DeSue that we were huge on in the spring game you got Lance Lejeune that you can see four games worth of work from that's only been in one game I believe yeah so there's a bunch of options I'd be okay with but no I mean do you just pretend like he's not throwing the worst interceptions that anyone's ever thrown and move and just put him back out there as starter, and we're and this is who we go with. Even even when in those first two games, when we were putting up a ton of points, and he threw seven touchdowns, I kept saying some of these throws are not great throws. They're thrown behind. Players are making plays on some of these throws, and then sometimes some of these wide receivers that he was throwing to were wide open. That if he missed those throws, it's it's real bad. So I haven't been real impressed with Josh Jackson really much at all this year. So for me. I'm to that point. I'm ready to I'm ready to see a change. I'd rather see a Terrell Pigram out there or even a Tyler DeSue at this point. We have Borton Schlager. I mean, we have other options available. Josh Jackson putting up 65 yards a game is not going to cut it against anybody. I, I don't care who you're going against. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 
you're very anti Bortenschlager, but um, <laughs> other, any other name that you list off there, I'm okay with seeing a starting quarterback. I mean, I'd I'd rather see Bortenschlager than 65 but yards of total offense. As, as the Terp fan, the last three years, that that was the signal of the end of our season. Was Bortenschlager as a quarterback? Now I just don't <laughs> want to see it. Now I get that for sure. <laughs> but I don't know. We go into this game again. It's a must win. Uh, and I hate putting must oh, wins on anything, but it is the clearest must win of ever. <laughs> you, this is complete panic mode. You lose three in a row, including Temple and Rutgers. That's that's you, the Vegas is right. You should have taken the under on those three wins if that's the case. And that was the most shocking over under for win total I think I'd ever seen. And maybe right, Vegas was right. We'll right. find out next week. Do you think at this point that we have any opportunity or any shot? at being a bowl team now I, st- I mean i still think we have a shot um now michigan righted the ship against this this terrible rutgers team with 52 nothing loss yeah but the last two weeks they've pretty much embarrassed themselves um and with the overtime win against army and then uh the loss last week so i don't I, you can add that back in as a possibility if you go out there and spank rutgers right but you can't we can't even win Rutgers by seven or fourteen points and pretend we're a bowl eligible team. You have to go back out there and put a Syracuse like performance up against Rutgers. It's just so crazy to me how different because like going into this season, right, and looking at the first four games of the schedule, you could see just looking at it prior to knowing anything about this team, looking at those four games, that we were probably gonna be in that three and one or potentially two and two position. So here we are, two and two. We're not far off of what we thought we could potentially be after four games. But just the tale of the difference in this team from two games to the next two games, yep. it's leaving me to a point where I just don't know what to expect from this football team. You know, I, after those first two games, I was riding so high, and I get it that the first game it was against Howard, and yeah, everybody's going to put, you know, that oh, you're beating up on a small team and yada, 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 which is great, which is what you're supposed to do. But then you go out there against a 21-ranked Syracuse team who's obviously was over <laughs> overranked and overrated, but you put up that kind of performance against them, and, and now it's like those two games didn't even happen. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse won again uh, today, 41-3, so they look a little bit better. They didn't play played the Crusaders. I don't even know who that is, so <laughs> I can't say that's a great win. Um, but uh, I, I re- we, we did feel after that line, you know, of course, Howard's Howard, but, you know, we felt good about the way we scored those points right. and the shutout. That's a, that's, that's We did what we were is. supposed to do against Howard. Yeah. And then you go to Syracuse, and you win so much more than you ever thought you could against Syracuse, and you start getting these bloated dreams. And those have been, you know, even after the Temple loss, they weren't gone. We were still we were still hyped up for this Penn State game. There was a possibility it could have been a trap game. Well, maybe it wasn't a trap game. Maybe that's just who we are. Right. Maybe that's the, that's the team we are is we lose the Temple, we lose the Penn State. I won't. I won't call that yet. I'm still, you know, holding out because I am a little bit too optimistic. And maybe, like you said, the Homerism in me says that we can still salvage this season. I said beginning of the year that I kind of was looking for five wins as like the 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 acceptable bar, and six wins is a great season because you can go bully and say Loxley turned it around r- right away. So. um I still think those numbers are in reach, but we will find out whether I'm right this week. 
All right. And another subject that I got to bring up, and I know you have the details on this. I kind of glanced over it and I read on this, but uh, one guy that we didn't see out on the field, a guy that uh, I had given a lot of praise to that I thought, man, um, what his effect has been on this team, especially in the special teams area. Um, I'm not going to say it, it was a difference maker in this game because we lost 59 yeah, to nothing. Can. DJ Turner wouldn't have done anything. But DJ Turner ends up getting a uh, a DUI. Yeah, so he got a DUI earlier in the week. Um, apparently he heard his name on Shell and Tell and was really excited um, <laughs> about the credit we were giving him and decided that he would uh, go out and celebrate and have a few drinks and um, apparently was uh, – was unlawful order by police. So basically he had a DUI. He didn't listen to what the police told him to do at the DUI and all the things that go along with being drunk. I'm going to stop you. We go back two weeks ago and we kind of alluded to it on our last episode. The the rumor that we heard about with Josh, Josh Jackson going out prior to the Temple game and maybe that was part of why he didn't play very well. Um, but I don't know. If he was sober against his Penn State game, he didn't play very well. Either. Yeah, I mean, I think the rumors uh, <laughs> are less likely already because of how bad he played this week. Yeah. I really doubt he was hung over two games in a row. Right, right. He just might be a bad quarterback. And I think that's probably more more so the truth. But my question is now, you had the Josh Jackson potential situation. You've got this DJ Turner potential situation. Do you think there's more to this, or do you think this is just college kids being college kids? So this is a of-age college male he's allowed to drink he's a senior right um on his one of two bye weeks during the fall where a lot of times you are isolated from what your friends are doing right on the work weeks um so i have no problem with him being out i have no problem with him drinking that's not a college locker room issue that's not a loxley issue right that's not even a player issue the problem comes when you get behind the wheel of a car and get a DUI. Um, there's a million options for everyone out there with Uber and Lyft and everything we have nowadays. And then more so when you're a college athlete yeah. and getting this on campus. Literally anyone on that staff would have came and got him. There are 80 other players on your team, and I'm sure some of them are sober that would have came and got you. Uh, you're on campus. I've walked eight miles during tailgates. <laughs> you could have walked anywhere you were drinking from. Right. Um so I don't that's that's where the problem is. So this is a DJ Turner loan situation in my mind. That's a it's a bad decision, but like eh, we've all made bad decisions at that age. We've all made decisions that we're not proud of. Exactly. Um this also is a thing that at most colleges would probably be brushed under the rug for right or wrong. It's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. At most colleges we would not know about this. That police officer would have pulled him over. Would have got him out, would have found out who he was, and they would have drove him home and put him nicely in bed, and none of us would have known about it at the Floridas, at the Florida States. And there are stats about this. You can look at the ESPN outside the lines reports that they had 80% of times that players were out, made allegations or charges against, they were acquitted and never saw charges, and that the average college African American male or whatever, you know, when you take out the demographics, on average, was was uh, almost 40% higher likelihood of getting charged. These things are swept under the rug at large programs all the time. Right. This lends me back to when we had our um, our basketball recruit that got caught 
with stealing two candy bars and ice cream from a 7-Eleven. Oh, my God. I remember that. Um, so we had a seven-foot-one basketball recruit, uh, the name of um, Trayvon Reed, who uh, was supposed to start with a University of Maryland basketball. Again, got caught stealing candy bars and ice cream. It's a huge <laughs> crime. It's a felony, right? Um, and they never let him even enroll in campus. His career never started with the University of Maryland. They you know, said it was against the conduct issues of the, of the university. Well, you know, two months later, he's starting for Auburn University's basketball team. So apparently it's not... He's not too much of a criminal to play for Auburn, but he's it's it, Maryland's just too good for that. They're just so special. <laughs> well, you got to remember too, University of Maryland's under the spotlight uh, right now under I, the I, microscope. There is there is definitely things that we need to um, look at, but I, this is just a thing that you know, and, and and it's for the best, you know, for society. But I'm just trying to prove that we're not playing on an even playing field with some of these. One hundred percent agree. That's that's the thing. I'm not 100%. saying it's right. Right. Or that we should be hiding these things. I'm just saying that we will never be on an even playing field with the Floridas and right. even the Penn States and the Ohio States because it's not looked at the same way. Yeah, and, and basically the other side to that point is that this happens a lot more than we're made aware of. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? It happens all the time, and it, it's not. It doesn't make it any better. Cause doesn't make it any better. It was anytime, not a good decision by that young man. Anytime anybody gets behind the wheel of a car after they've been drinking or doing anything like that, that's uh, that's the, that's the wrong decision to make. Um, and as as you said, there are just so many options out there, spe- specifically for a collegiate athlete, to make sure that that doesn't happen. That that's where it's extra disappointing. And I'm not trying to make this. A bigger deal than what it is, but it could not get said. You know, obviously it was a you know it was a storyline because I, I kept saying all night, "Where the hell is DJ Turner?" Yeah. I had no idea anything that happened. So, but this is the thing: is I can go ahead and predict the future for you here. DJ Turner has played his last snap at the University of Maryland, and and again with the Trayvon Reed. Trayvon Reed was not allowed to play here. He went to Auburn, where he uh, he had got probation for the incident here. He went to Auburn, got a second assault charge spent 15 days in jail for that assault charge, and went back and continued playing for Auburn University's basketball team. Here, I can almost guarantee you that we've seen the last of DJ Turner. That was going to be my follow-up question. Was so there's no point in the, the question. I've just seen it too many times. We are, they are held to a higher standard here, for better or worse, for better of teaching these young men future goals right. and for setting an example and – you know, community, but for worse of it's not an equal competitive nature because we the, we do have these problems that that you know it's he's not a game changing talent or he's a game changing talent he is a great player but it's not like you know once in a generation talent you're losing that you can look the other that you look the other way for so it's not you know world bending right but at most places we wouldn't know about this you know they, they just it's just how they're looking at it. and it goes all the way down to the police like the individual police officers level right that like at ohio state dwayne haskins was a god to like the locals and that cop is a local right. and therefore treats him differently because he is has just pulled over a god and will protect him at university of maryland is just, another punk 18 year old because nobody cares about the football program and i'm going to treat him just like i would any other 18 year old right you know which probably logistically they should be treated like any other 18 year old but it's not how it actually is across the united states yeah and at most college campus most of the big schools like that i mean they have their own 
governing system and their own governing body yeah. basically that runs everything yeah. for and, them and even when it gets outside of it and someone is charged and then the, well well we'll see them next year they'll, and they'll be back and a big part of that is it's like the whole penn state thing penn state that, that whole situation like people were made aware of that situation years and years and years prior to it ever coming to light yeah joe but be, knew but because of the governing system that is penn state and everything that that joe powell had basically working for him you know as far as it was buried it was thrown under the rug and that's why we didn't hear it until somebody finally stepped forward and went above all the same thing could probably be true of last year if jordan mcnair happens at a penn state or ohio state it doesn't come out as what as as poorly there is things that were covered up things that were paid off things that go you know hush hush you know gag orders and things right. instead of the way it happened last year so it's it's just you're it's only even playing field it will always be an uneven playing field there's no point in even addressing it all right well going back <laughs> we got it deviated there for a second going back the, like i said this rutgers game i'm i don't even want to waste time dissecting the game in itself we all know let's find out who's the worst team in the big 10 that's what next week is yeah we know where we need to improve on and I guess we got to go into our predictions. What do we see happening in this game? Do you think they do make a change at quarterback? Do they not? And then where do you see the score ending up? I think Rutgers apparently has no offense. They've been shut out two weeks. Right. Um, so 0-52 to 52 against Michigan, which, of course, that's basically the same thing which would just happen with Penn State, so I can't even um, fault them on that. But the um, two weeks earlier... They also got shut out uh, against Iowa. Again, I guess I can't fault them there either. You got number 14 Iowa at the time, 0 to 30, 0 to 52 against number 20 Michigan. We just got blown out 0 to 59 against Penn State. I'm talking myself out of my own prediction I was just going to give. The only normal game that they played was against Boston College. Boston College uh, beat them 30 to 16. I would think that based off of how we treated Syracuse, we have to be in a Boston College-esque realm. We're not going to score as many points because our offense seems to be dying. 17-6, to Maryland wins. All right, so I'm right there with you. I have it as a pretty low-scoring game as well. I do think that we see the running game get going in this game i think that we'll see more of a commitment to the run um because they have to i mean unless they make a change at quarterback which just based off of some of the comments that loxley made after the game i do think that obviously they're aware of the problem that you know that is jackson and they're doing everything that they can to correct it i don't think that they're ready to make a change at starter now if he comes out there in the first half and he's less than 50% completion and less than 100 yards throwing, we may see a second-half change. I don't think it'll start. I don't think it'll start the game that way. Um, but I do, like I said, I do think that the running game will be huge in this. I think Javon Leak um, has a pretty big game in this game. I'm going to say that the Terps win this one 20-17. I think it'll be a closer game. Um, I'm not sold on our secondary. I'm not sold on our defense. Uh, the injuries that we've had across the board on both sides uh, worry me because, like I said, our, our depth, yeah, we have depth, but it's not good depth. Um, so I just, you know, I'm not ready to write in the ship on this team by any means because no. I still believe that we get a few guys back, um, you know, 
we get a couple weeks to work on some things. I, I still think that we can pull out a bowl game. Am I a seven, eight win team like I was prior to the not year? Not at all. Not, even close. not at all. Um, and that's sad because I, I really had such high expectations for this team. And maybe that's me being a homer. I don't know. But nonetheless, I do think that they win this game because they have to. And yeah, and again, my my bar is five. That's where that's where I I want to see this this year. I, I, obviously, I'll be I want a bowl game, but right. I can't with where we are right now and knowing what our murderers row schedule coming up. If they pull out five wins, it's still a respectable season. Well, I'm glad we did this. Uh, you know, we were gonna wait another week to do this show, but uh, just having these emotions this these last 24 hours, I felt like we needed to do this because yeah. it would we we would have never been able to do this justice waiting a week. Yeah, and really kind of hitting in on all this. Well, one thing I want to address because we're not gonna be able to do a show right after Rutgers because I'm burning this pretty quick back to back. Um, if they make a quarterback change, it obviously will be Pigram. It's not gonna be the quarterbacks we talked about. Yeah, but. If we lose against Rutgers, no matter what quarterback played, Pigram, Josh Jackson, whoever it may be, um, this season is for all in cases over, and you need to find out who you have and showcase some future talent. And you need to burn the last eligible games of Lejean without burning his red shirt. That's what I was going to And then you need to play DeSue. And those should be your only quarterbacks the rest of the year if you lose to Rutgers. You need to see what your future holds, and you need to get some development, and you treat the rest of the year like a preseason. Because if you lose to Rutgers, what are you trying to play for? Four wins? Right. Why not just see where you're at, See, actually get into your depth chart, play some people, show the recruits, the people you brought in, the f- potential future and talents they have, and play it that way. Play it as a preseason. And that, but again... That is doomsday. That's if we lose to Rutgers. I'm not saying we're there now, but because I will not, we will not be able to do a, a show immediately after Rutgers, most likely. I just want to put that out now because that is my feeling that this is it. This is the whole kit and caboodle. When I say when we say must win, people throw that around a lot, and we throw that have thrown that around a little bit. Right. But I mean it. This is a must win, or your season is done. Like hundred percent agree. You use the rest of the season for development. It's practice. Every real game is practice after that. 100% agree, but let us know what you guys think. Uh, if you got any questions for the show, you can always email us at shellandtellpod at gmail.com. You can always hit us up on our Twitter at shellandtell on Twitter. You can hit up Ryan at terpsbespert. Hit me up at fredblbs. Find us on our Facebook page, Birdland BS. Uh, check out the audio podcast on all your favorite platforms out there. iTunes seems to be doing really good. Spotify right there in a close second. So we appreciate all the support. Appreciate everybody that came by the tailgate to say hi as well. All is not well under the shell, Ryan, but I'm going to let you go ahead and sign us off anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. It could not be further from the truth, uh, but we stuck with it. <laughs> all right. I will try this. I can't say one more time. This is just the way I feel and the way I hope. And my future, I hope, here's to wishing all is well under the shell in the 